0: Welcome to the evoke inspire podcast with me Sarah Jane Tobin proudly sponsored by hermoney.ie hermoney is your trusted partner in financial empowerment catering specifically to professional and self-employed women join us as we dive into inspiring stories of entrepreneurship personal growth and the world of finance hermoney.ie's mission is to provide women with the knowledge tools and confidence to thrive financially and in life this week, I'm absolutely delighted to sit down with HerMoney.ie's MD, Carol Brick. Not only is she one of the most influential visionaries in her sector, here to chart her own rise to success, she also has some amazing insights to offer about how to take a chance on yourself in business and life without taking any unnecessary financial risks. So first off, Carol, thank you so much for coming in to join us today. I wanted to begin by talking to you a little bit about HerMoney.ie. It's, would you say it's a niche company? It's certainly a niche and lovely to be with
1: you, firstly, Sarah-Jane. It's definitely a niche company because uh, the fact is it's actually the only uh, life and pensions company in Dublin, in Ireland, that was set up to deal with professional women only. Um, So that was set up in 2017. But I've been um, at the helm of CWM Wealth Management as managing director since 2007. So I've been in this industry as an advisor for 25 years. um, So I saw an opening first back then.
0: I just was wondering, because a lot of people, you know, when you hear financial advice, that kind of thing, you always think that there's a threshold that you have to be earning over and stuff like that before you even kind of go down that route. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of people that you, you actually work with? Of course, yeah. I suppose
1: that is like a huge problem yeah. um, that we see in the industry is that people think, well, you know, wealth management, firstly, that's a quite a scary term. I don't have any even wealth to the manage. using yeah, wealth. Uh, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. we're actually rebranding shortly in the new year to um, CWM Financial Services. Okay. Okay. Uh, the mothership is rebranding. And in fairness, the reality is that we look after the finances of anything from students to single parents and um, to obviously you know we do have a, a fair amount of people who are in professions and they mm. are of high net worth but you're never too young or old or you never have to be earning a certain level to be financially empowered and educated and that's our ethos um, at our money is more educating people mm. as regards financial independence and what they need to have you know to yeah. I suppose retire and what they need to have God forbid if, if you know if, if a tragic event occurred or whatever um, so it's more edgy educating and empowering rather than selling product I suppose
0: okay I know myself like when I was a student when I got my first job that kind of thing like the furthest thing from my mind was pensions was retirement that kind of thing so I mean what do you do for younger people for example that come to you maybe who are I I would would I be right in saying they'd be in the uh, minority who would be thinking that far ahead Very much so. Okay. So as a financial advisor, I suppose, ideally,
1: I would say anyone over 18 and employed and paying tax should be paying into a pension. Okay. And, you know, a lot of that age group do come to us for advice. But the reality is a lot of them are staying at home with their parents. You know, Mm. they're trying to get on the property ladder. Yes. They enjoy their holidays. They could be saving for a car. So, like, whilst I might be advising that that's the right thing to do. In practical terms, it's way down the list for them. So whilst we make them aware that it's important and we make them, I suppose, very aware of the importance of saving for the future, whether that's, you know, uh, I suppose, a savings fund or a retirement fund, um, you know, a lot of them do step back at that young age, but at least they know the importance of it. Mm. At least they know that, like, all of the various tax advantages um, att- attached to it and you know they'll come back when the time is right so I suppose ideally when you should be you know I used to saying they should start with their first job they have different priorities and you know what you're never too old so
0: um, they can always start it well that gives 20s. me some hope now when you say you're never too old because I'm the kind of person that I've had a pension for years I've moved jobs I've stalled it I've restarted it you know is there like I at, at times I'm kind of like Am I wasting my time? Should I be doing something else? Is this, you know, mm. right for me? <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Oh, the look. Look, no, and and this is this is the most common
1: thing. You know, the a kind of a misunderstanding about the benefits of pension, right? Mm-hmm. So, firstly, you know, if you're paying the higher rate of tax. You're going to get that same rate back on every single euro you put into your pension firstly, right? So if you're not doing it, you're walking away from the tax relief that the government is willing to give you. No problem. I suppose your employer is willing to contribute to, well, ideally the employer should contribute to it for you. So you're not taking advantage of that, you know, generous offering there. So that's Mm -hmm. two key advantages you're not taking advantage of. The other big thing is to retire um, and fund another state pension. So to fund an income in retirement of, say, the equivalent amount of the state pension. So currently it's 13,800 euro. If you were to fund the equivalent of another 13,800 euro per annum, you'd need a finishing fund at 65 of 500k. So half a million euro.
0: Oh, my God, that sounds very intimidating. Well, (laughs) that is the reality. Like When you break it
1: down, and we can say, oh, I'm allergic. everyone's allergic to pensions. And why wouldn't they be? There's so many different types. There's so many different charges. All you hear is pensions not performing and all the rest of yeah. it. But it's the quality of the advice that you get. And it's if you don't have a clear picture of what a pension means for you and the importance of having one after, I suppose, one meeting with a good financial advisor, they haven't done their job. Okay. It's not your fault. It's the quality of the advice that you seek. Yeah. So... What I say to my clients is I like them to be able to know at any one point if they're to retire the following day, exactly what they'd have every week from that point onwards in pension benefits.
0: I mean, that that sounds so um, idealistic. I suppose is what I'm thinking for me like as, as I said someone who stop starts that kind of thing and okay. you know so I have friends who don't even have pensions yet and mm-hmm. things like that and you know I'm in my 40s now and I'm trying to play catch up is it possible to catch up to that kind of value that that amount of money at this okay. stage of my life. But you know what um, Sarah Jane if you pair back
1: that 500k we just mentioned right mm-hmm. I started off by saying you get 40% tax relief. Right, okay. Right? So the government has given you back 40% of it. And if you invested in any half decent fund over the long term, it will at least return 5 to 10% per annum. Okay, so okay? That,
0: that takes it back a bit. So we're
1: actually, you know, yeah. with proper advice and taking the tax relief off it, you could be saying that the 500k in realistic terms is only costing you 250.
0: Okay. Over
1: 30 years... Okay. It sounds a lot more manageable. It's very manageable. And you know what? That's what it's all about. It's like breaking it down. Okay. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to start putting in 30% of your salary in your 40s. You just know what, you just need to know what the end game here is, where you need to be at 65 and aim to get there gradually in line with all of your other finance. We all have different financial priorities. So like, you know, it's all very easy for me to say you need to ideally put 1500 euro a month into your pension, but you have your mortgages and you have your childcare and all the other various bills. But at least you know that when those bills, I suppose, decrease over time and I suppose, you know, your financial commitments become a little bit less, that you should definitely prioritize the pension at that stage. And most importantly, review it often. So some people might start to pension and not come back for 15 years and then, oh, there's still a gaping hole in my plan. You have to stay on top of it and track it. But like for you. I suppose, based on your description of your pension situation, what I do is look and obviously wait till 2024 at this point now. You're not going to mm-hmm. be starting anything in December, but talk to your employer. Make sure that they're, I suppose, going to contribute for you. Yeah. All you have to do is match it. And on your matching contribution, you're going to get 40% back. So wow. that's a really good start. And that's really the minimum you should start with. And if you start on that basis, you'll get there. You know? I but think... It's,
0: like, I think that's the thing, I, like, as you know, you do hear figures like 500,000 euro. And for me, I just kind of automatically think of it as a lump sum. And I think of it as quite untouchable almost. So the way you're speaking there makes it sound a lot more feasible. Exactly. A lot more feasible. And you can retire early. You can go from age 50, you know, if you have the
1: good luck to, you know, get a really lucrative contract later in life and, you know, you want to go earlier. You don't have to wait till 65. Most of our pensions, you can draw down from 50. And now you can actually contribute until you're 70 or older. Okay. So you see A bit the more fl- flexible. Exactly. Yeah. Like mortality rates in Ireland these days, women are now living to be 86. Mm-hmm. So if you retire at 65. You've possibly twenty-one years of retirement income that you need to fund for. Yeah. So people are working because see, we're healthier too. So we're yeah. working later in life. So there isn't you know this huge pressure to walk out the door with my you know my box of goodies from my desk at sixty-five. Um So I suppose it's 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 making that appointment with the financial advisor as early as you can and putting a realistic plan in place. But like as you said, you're not as scared now. No, as we <laughs> as you were when we mentioned it in hindsight at yes, the start. So definitely when you work in your tax relief and you work in your market growth um, and the fact that your employer is going to probably do half of it for you as well Mm -hmm. right it's very very achievable
0: and what about people who might be self-employed because I know you guys work an awful lot particularly with women who might be freelancers that kind of thing you know how hard is it for them it's, I suppose it's not any more difficult. Really? Um, Okay.
1: So it depends on the structure they're in. A lot of our self-employed ladies would be as um, sole sole traders Mm -hmm. or their company directors. And look, the tax relief is equally as lucrative um, no matter what kind of a setup you're in. So I suppose, you know, okay, you don't have an employer contribution, but it's a, a valid business expense. At the right, end of okay. the day. Yeah. So, you know, just to give you an example, one of our typical company directors, if they have a hundred thousand euro sitting in their company bank account at their year end and their accountant payrolls it to them, they're likely to get about four thousand or forty eight thousand euro into their hands. OK. Right. Because the tax man's going to do a right good Please job see, on that yeah. one. <laughs> exactly. Right. Whereas if they ask their accountant to pay that that one hundred grand into the pension, mm-hmm. Then it goes in there tax free. So you're diverting wealth oh away from the company and away from the tax man and into a revenue approved pension That's scheme.
0: Almost like money for free.
1: Exactly. So the tax benefits are even almost more lucrative if you're a company director because you do have the capacity. Now, there's obviously various terms and conditions and a good advisor will take you through all of them and make sure you're very clear. But it is the most
0: tax efficient way to build wealth for the future yeah I want to talk to you a little bit in a a moment about the actual like the workings of a qualified financial advisor but just before we get to that I mean the job that you do it's very important to individuals but as a society is whole in a, a whole scenario it's 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 huge. It makes a massive impact, right? It does. Absolutely. I suppose if
1: you have good financial health, right, and you're in control of your finances across the board. Now, it's not just pension. It's, you know, having the rainy day fund, being able to afford everyday life because you're careful with money, Mm -hmm. being able to budget for the more important things, um, you know, whether that's, you know, your protection, having your emergency fund in place and then being in control of your pension. All of that will lead to better mental health, Right, yes, of course, you know, (laughs) to society as a whole, if everyone is in control of their mental health or in better control of their mental health because they're financially in control, it, you know, goes without saying that it's a benefit to society. Obviously, you have less people depending on the government Mm. for either disability because they have their own protection in place. Our retirement benefits right because they all have been funding so you know it's very very important for society that people have good I suppose financial habits.
0: So tell us a little bit about what a day-to-day you know your role day-to-day involves and what you do for clients I mean does it involve a deep dive do you have to oh you know go through people's bank statements, bank balances? Do you have to give them homework to do? I don't don't really understand the full workings of of your role. Okay, so I suppose every day is different. And Mm -hmm. we have,
1: as I said to you at the start, we have a range of different clients. We could have somebody that's coming in, You know, on their first job, or we could have a company director coming in and they're with us for the last twenty years. Um, So typically, I suppose if they're a new client, um, no. Firstly, we have offices in in Cork and in Dublin, um, so I could be in either office on any given day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I suppose for a brand new client, we do have to get under the bonnet. Right. Okay. So if you if you don't get an accurate (laughs) picture of what's going on financially in this person's world, you're not going to be able to fix it because you don't know what's wrong. Yeah. So we go in, we delve into the... No, not too much, obviously, you know. Okay. You know, we look at their spending habits. and We may or may not. Very rarely we'd look for bank statements or anything like that. Just make um, suggestions, maybe. What that's mean? it, exactly. You know, yeah. if the person's willing to engage with us honestly and I suppose, you know, if they, if they want us to assist them in the best possible way, they're going to be straight up about their finances. Yeah. And I suppose... I'm, I'm quite lucky in that respect in that I do find it easy that, um for people to open up to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 99.9% of the time, the more information that you collect, the, I suppose the more successful the, um, the plan will be in the end okay mm-hmm. so we would I suppose look at their spending habits we would look at I suppose their provisions in terms of all the different areas we advise on yeah. so I suppose do they have the rainy day fund which is four times their net salary should anything unexpected happen um, are they covered if they get sick or if they die prematurely um, we're now delighted to announce that we have a mortgage uh, department oh, as well. Oh, fantastic! Wow, yeah. that's, so we, <laughs> that's yeah. a biggie.
0: Yeah, so we opened that
1: in the last few weeks, and that's called Mortgage Navigators. It's a okay. separate legal entity, and we have um, a really uh, fantastic lady running that, Margaret Barrish is her name. And um, since we opened that, we've more and more people that can come in to get the, the whole approach. So yeah. we're now reviewing their mortgages. We're looking at different ways they can save on on, I suppose, do the different rates, etc. Um, and then we'd obviously from a life and pensions perspective look at what pensions they've built up or mm-hmm. they haven't as the case may be and I suppose you know we then examine their objectives yeah. what age do you want to, to, to retire at what's your ideal pension in in retirement and you nearly have to work backwards then okay you know um so I suppose it depends every client is different we have a lot of post-retirement clients so we have a lot of people that are actually in retirement already and we manage their post-retirement policies which are called ARFs okay Um, what does that mean it's an an approved retirement fund it's called right okay and that's the pension policy you will invest your money in when you draw down your pension at 65 so first thing you'll do is you'll take your tax-free cash okay so let's base it on say Mm 800,000 so you take your tax-free cash of um Mm 200,000 and then you invest the the remaining capital in an ARF an approved retirement fund and that can keep making your money It'll remain
0: invested, yes, okay.
1: and you take an income from that when you need it. So it can be monthly or quarterly or annually, and we manage those post-retirement policies for our clients as well. So uh, my clients range in age from um eighteen to mid eighties. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. And that's, to be honest, I just love it because
0: of that, because yeah. I just
1: get such a diverse range of people coming in for advice.
0: I think the, the thing that we've kind of discovered uh, through the course of this podcast is that for people to succeed, you have to really pull your head out of the sand and just go for it. Like empowerment is, is a perfect word, I think, for it. But you really need to be honest with yourself and just exactly. stop with, with the nonsense. Exactly. And to be honest, that's one of the main reasons we opened our money is mm-hmm.
1: because... All along as my uh, in a career um as a financial advisor progressed, I was just coming across more and more women, um, you know, like ourselves, yeah. who are busy every day, all day long, day. I'll every do it day. next week. Yeah. I'll do it next week. And they're yeah. just putting it down the priority list. And then one year becomes five, becomes ten, Right. It becomes really difficult to get protection or almost impossible for a lady to get protection of any type beyond, say, 52, 53 years of really? age. Really? Wow. Yeah, because I suppose, look, the under- medical underwriting is, yes. is quite strict. Um, and I hate to say the chances are if you apply for the- at that age, there could be more of a chance of something happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's more risk, I suppose, attached, which is obviously understandable. So, you know, we're seeing the, I suppose, the damage can do to your your financial health mm-hmm. by leaving it too late. Yes. Okay. You know, I met a woman in the, over the last few days. She's sixty four. Mm-hmm. She has no pension, and she was planning to retire ideally at sixty five. So she'd be retiring
0: on a, the state pension, which is like thirteen thousand a year.
1: And you know, when that was reiterated to her at the meeting, well, look, the reality is, yes, thirteen eight. Actually, she did question whether she she's qualifying for that because I'm not sure she had enough PRSI contributions. Okay. So. You don't want to end up in that situation. And the thing is, financial advisors, there's loads of us out there. Mm -hmm. The first consultation, to be honest, is usually free with most. It's free with us. Mm -hmm. And it could just take... A phone call for over 15 minutes and we'll give her honest advice when you explain your circumstances and you know what we just make people think so yeah. her money's about educating it's about empowering women financially rather than selling products that's not our priority right mm-hmm. and more people like yourself we want you to know if you're to retire here next friday exactly what you'll have in your bank account in the ter- in terms of a pension The following friday we want everyone to be very clear on where they're going financially
0: i have to say i really appreciate where you're coming from I think it's amazing that there is so like, you know, that other people and, and other people's wellness and and, you know, financial well-being as well as mental well-being. It's it's kind of top of your priority. But like you yourself, how did you actually end up going down this route? Because were you were you mathematically gifted in school? Like what was it, what was it yeah. about the financial um, sector that actually really kind of? interested you when you were growing up okay um well I suppose firstly when I went into fifth year in school Mm -hmm. um down in Trilly I
1: literally dropped every non-business subject so I knew at the age of 16 17 that I was going to go down the business route anyway at least right Mm -hmm. or a mathematical route so I dropped all the sciences and And picked all the business and I picked all the business so I did accounting I did business and organization and economics now, of course, I was closing an awful lot of doors when I decided that. But I knew I was 100 percent sure I loved maths. And you know what? I even had an entrepreneurial kind of a streak in me even at that point. Mm. I was always thinking of different ideas for opening businesses and and all the rest of it. Um, now, I ended up traveling for a while. I went to the States and I took a few summers off and I worked in various jobs as you would as a student. Mm-hmm. And then my first real job, I suppose, as a graduate was in Bank of Ireland head office here. Uh, it used to be in Bagot Street. Yes. And I worked in a finance role there. Now a very finance role in that I was training to be an accountant. Um, we were in charge of producing the report and accounts for the bank. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty, I suppose, challenging role. Yes. Really, really busy. Um and you know what? I enjoyed who I worked with. I enjoyed working for the bank really like and very, very much. But I then, you know, decided halfway through that that whole path to being an ACA that it wasn't for me at all. Because, oh really? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um I suppose I just felt like my interpersonal skills were completely wasted because, you know, I hate to say it, you could be sitting at a desk for twelve hours literally just getting all these Numbers. reports ready yeah. and you're just passing them on. You're passing them on to the next level. There was very little human interaction. Right. And you know what? That started to get me down. I was like, is this going to be it? This is
0: my chosen path. And it's so, you know, it's so not rewarding personally. I think like one of the movies that I watched time and time again growing up and stuff like that was Mean Girls. And there's one of the characters in Mean Girls is big into maths. Okay. And she said it's because it's the same everywhere you go in the world. So for Mm. you kind of going as a a student and stuff like that, you could use your degree, you could use your qualifications elsewhere, but you didn't like the fact that you were being removed from that's it it just wasn't f- fulfilling no
1: I would have kept mm. probably doing it yeah um, I transferred to Cork then from Dublin I suppose I'm from Kerry originally I yeah. kind of had this picture in my head that I'd eventually you know moved down south full time so I transferred with Bank of Ireland to Cork mm. and I was working in another finance role there and then I suppose I was there about two years and I went right that's it so I started looking for opportunities now I wasn't even qua- a qualified financial advisor at that stage you know I was still in a very uh, f- finance-based uh, role, so I started looking for opportunities, and I left the bank at the height of the Celtic Tiger. Wow, um, which was quite controversial that, at the time. I was just going
0: to say that <laughs> must have taken some nerve.
1: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Tell
0: and us I just, a little bit about that. That's it. So, I um, <laughs> said what to you? <laughs> yeah. So
1: a really good opportunity came up in wealth management um in the Cork area mm. with training, etc. And you know what? it wasn't that easy to get good roles back then there was very few companies good companies in that space so one came up and I went right that's exactly what I want to do Mm -hmm. and you know I was afraid you know if I turned it down that I mightn't get another opportunity for a while again so I took it and I remember leaving the bank at a time where my bank shares were were double figures oh my gosh yeah No. luckily I sold them because I needed a deposit for a a property one good thing Um, (laughs) so anyway yeah I was I was told actually on leaving the bank that I'd be like Bambi learning to walk again outside the four walls of the bank <laughs> but
0: anyway I ran down that street and I never I never look back well you know like I have to say that's the other thing that's really kind of impressed me the amount of things that people have done on this podcast that have seemed controversial but they've actually come out of it much happier that's it That like the first day in the job
1: a few weeks later I was like I know this is for me, yeah. I made the right decision and here I am
0: uh, 22 years later. Was it something that, like, are there many women in your industry or was it something that, you know, there, you would have been surrounded by suits, men in suits in a room or, is, you know. Um, I suppose, look, finance in general is a very male-dominated industry, yeah. especially life
1: and pensions. Um, it's, it's In terms of broker ownership, I suppose. I'm um, only one of a few, a few
0: in Ireland. Well, that's the thing, like, for women especially because we kind of, I hate to say it, we do lead different lives still to men when it mm-hmm. comes to career paths and stuff. There's, you know, breaks to have children, stuff like that. Men maybe not, wouldn't recognize the same kind of struggles that I would have as you would that's it yeah Yeah. exactly and that's
1: that's that's a fact I suppose yeah you know I've met some really really good I suppose senior managers in Mm -hmm. different life companies and I often wonder my god why didn't they go out and open up on their own but they are more comfortable as employees at the end of the day because if they need to take time off whatever it's all it's all covered when you take that leap of faith and you're working for yourself and your child gets sick or whatever, yeah. it's an awful lot more of a struggle to, to balance the plates. And, you know, I suppose we, we spoke roughly about, um, you know, work-life balance. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest problem was keeping the plates spinning because when you're working for yourself, that's the only disadvantage yeah. is you're, you're completely torn, you know, when something goes wrong at home.
0: Yeah. Well, as a mom yourself, I mean... You've got a good insight as to how that is. I mean, how does your job, how does your family life impact your job? And how does your job impact your family life now? Because you have an awful lot of clients who are relying on you. That's it. Look, it's been a massive sacrifice, a yeah. huge sacrifice. But look, from
1: from day one, I knew if I didn't make a sacrifice, there probably wouldn't be much success. Mm-hmm. And in fairness, I've made a very big one and it's been a huge success. Yeah. Uh, money has CWM has now we've got the mortgage business open and look, I suppose key for me is that when Morris, my son, was eight eight weeks old, I literally randomly bumped into a lady in my local village who turned out to be a childminder who was leaving her job at oh, that point.
0: It's like the universal lining. I, <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I thank the heavens yeah. that I met the, this lady so randomly because she's actually minding my son eight years. Wow. Um, actually, next week she's minding him eight years. So she started when he was eight weeks and she actually came to my house when yeah. he was that young because I, I just didn't want to be because I go to work usually around half six in the morning and didn't want to be disrupting him. So Noreen is her name. She started working for me then, yeah, and you can okay, bar the bar when he's sick. Obviously, I try my best to stay at home with him, but she collects him from school every day. Yeah, most days. And I'm—I know I'm not at the school gate, and I'm up in Dublin. Obviously, an awful lot. I travel an awful lot. Yeah, be away for three or four days at a time. But look, that's the price that I've paid. And you know, I make up for it when we're off. We've good holidays. Yeah. Um, I suppose I work hard, but you know, we play hard as well. We try and have nice family time at Christmas time. We're heading away now for a few days, and. You know,
0: we have nice time together, and you know, for a good
1: few weeks of the year.
0: I think that it's it's it is one of those things that I think a lot of women struggle with. You know the the guilt the mum guilt uh, versus sacrificing yourself when you have a baby exactly like, it's very tough yeah. it's very very
1: tough and you know there's days I've been ready to go to Dublin for two or three days and, and he could just get sick like that and you've turned around and yeah. cancel everything um, or you have to get someone else in and it is a big struggle but look we've gotten there I don't know where the last eight years have gone to it's I just know, flown they fly. By. and you know I still get a bit of grief when he sees the suitcase coming out but uh, <laughs> you know he he, he he's 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 used to it now at this stage and again it's the team you have around you i've without noreen i'd be completely lost and i think you know especially in dublin it's just so hard to get quality child care without mm-hmm. it costing you know double your mortgage and i feel for people that firstly can't get a crash place yeah child minding um are you know th- when they do it's 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 equal or more than their mortgage repayments which I think, is yeah, very or, sad
0: And when you're kind of saying things to particularly young moms and and or you know, new moms and stuff like that, and you're talking to them about retirement and all this kind of thing, and they have crash fees to consider retirement takes a hit it goes right down the bottom
1: it does but you know what it's trying to find some level you know even if you're only and we had someone there recently that could only start with like an you know it's 80 100 euro it's a start yeah you don't have to be you know crippling yourself with pension everything is relative to your Mm -hmm. to your outgoings and obviously this the costs are you know higher in Dublin but you know it's just finding the balancing act really you know yeah
0: you were saying there about Morris and spending time together as a family and stuff what do you do in your downtime because you know you're you sound like you've got everything going with the career and then when you're home it's full on with him do you have much downtime do you listen to podcasts do you read books what okay. do you do i um i should probably refer to some of your previous guests for help in this <laughs> space sarah jane i must look at their
1: contact details afterwards this is the biggest problem i have yes is downtime either creating downtime or Or if I do get it, enjoying the downtime because um, like I'm in the office, it could be there seven days a week. There's no downtime during the week and I forget about that. I'm gone from seven till seven, usually home, cook, bed type thing. Mm -hmm. And um, the weekends I try and take off. Uh, but I end up, I kind of, I write a lot um, and I, I do a lot of media work as well. So yeah. I try and do that at the weekends. So I'd say I go in for a few hours and the next thing it's like six o'clock in the evening. So Saturday's gone. So I find it very, very difficult, firstly, to get everything done in the five days. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm quite a bit of a perfectionist, I think. So. Um, I can't go in on Monday without knowing that I didn't tick that box that was niggling on Friday evening. So I do end up working a lot. Um, if I do take time out, like I may go for the odd facial, like maybe twice a year. Yeah. And as soon as I lay down, I'm Love like, oh my God, I forgot to bring that client on Friday or oh, stop. need to follow up on that. And I can, and usually the therapist will say, you haven't relaxed no, for four minutes. Your since shoulders I are up at your yeah. ears. Oh, I'm completely stressed out. Yeah. And even like, oh my God, if we go away for the summer. There I am with the laptop and my business partners, you know, I'm um, in business now uh, I have two fellow directors and one of them is really into well-being and minding yourself and, and the lot. And he just has a very fun, a very, he has the life, the work-life balance perfected. Right. And he's always saying it to me, Carol, seriously. Will You do something to relax or make time for yourself, and I say do so. I booked the Pilates, and of course, I always pay for the course up front, so sure, that'll be great. And then you go, to never two classes. show up. Yeah, <laughs> I was a member of two different golf clubs at one point. I had great ideas of getting lessons and joining, oh, okay. and that never materialized. So, 2024, Sarah Jane, I think is going to be the year now that I take control of that and know where to draw the line. and... You know, enjoy the downtime. Make more downtime, mm. and enjoy it when I have it.
0: Do you think it's important for Morris to see his mom working like this? Because you know, I just think for I've asked you know women who have daughters and stuff like that, the impact it makes on them with their little girls. For Morris yes, think it's important I think it is
1: And you know what I think I got my whole work ethos From my mother And my okay. grandmother Because they never stopped And actually my mother Still hasn't doesn't stop working From one end of the day To the next mm. And you know Up early Bed late You know Working 110% of the time basically yeah. And I think I definitely Brought that from my mother And I think it's Extremely important To instill A good work working ethic And you know I suppose also How important it is In terms of You know I suppose financial literacy yeah. is, is completely absent in Ireland for kids. So, knowing that Very true. you do have yes. to put in a lot of effort, and all of this effort is to pay for this home, you know,
0: pay for. Teach y- them the value of it, I think. Value. Is, like, exactly. it's so easy, you know, teenagers just, Mum, can I have 20 quid and go to Dundrum? You yeah. know, can you pay for my phone? Can you? It, it doesn't, it's just, uh, I, I, I don't know, I suppose my mum and dad always used to say to me, like, don't use your your card, yeah. take the cash out, because. Given our yeah, cash, you really kind of value feel it. <laughs> that's it. But, and I, I mean, still agree with I that. don't, I don't know. Like, I think for, I think starting younger probably would have been a hell of a lot more beneficial to me because I didn't really kind of appreciate it until. I suppose I got my own mortgage and stuff like yeah. that. And I realized, oh, yeah. God, you know, yeah.
1: to be honest, I think it's absolutely shocking that there's no basic financial literacy kids in, are uh, literacy introduced in primary school mm. because they leave school and they go in. actually, they could even leave secondary school, not knowing what an interest rate is or how important pension planning is or, you know, how to budget for things or how t- how tax works. Yeah. You know, if I work, I'm going to get paid, then I need to pay tax. What happens with the tax? Now, I'm teaching Morris all those basics at the moment, but him knowing that you have to work hard to get paid, that pays all these bills is, yeah. is so, so important. And and very few kids,
0: you know, have that knowledge. I think that is is that something you'd like to see the government introduce here? I think, you know, the, the school's curriculum and stuff like that has opened up an awful lot in recent years and the schools have become a, like a lot more. They've embraced the modern life a lot more. Yeah. Which is that something you think would be beneficial?
1: Absolutely, and yeah. I'm actually doing some, a lot of work on that area. In that area, at the okay. moment. Okay, tell um, us a bit about that. Well, um, we are in the early stages of putting a book together, um, oh, a fin- financial literacy yeah. book for kids. Um, so I suppose in 34 states in the U.S., financial literacy has been introduced to elementary school systems. Okay. Um, it was signed off in the UK just before COVID, but then obviously priorities changed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the update there is, but it wasn't. It wasn't the original government agenda. It hasn't been mentioned here at all, um, which is quite disappointing. Um, But I suppose I just think it's really, really important. Um, It's shameful that it hasn't been mentioned. But you know what? I think Norma Foley is a fantastic minister for education. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If
0: she doesn't do it, I don't know who will. So I'm watching that space. Do you think is it something that would engage kids or is it a little bit boring?
1: No, you have to make it interactive yeah. and you have okay. to make it fun. And, you know, I, I was even there's actually there isn't even one book in Ireland available in that. And that's at all. No. Wow. And the American ones that I've gotten, the I suppose the more entertaining ones, are, I suppose they put it almost in a fairy tale format. Mm-hmm. Um. So in fairness, I think the more fun and interactive it is and the easier it is to read, as you can imagine, as a six year old upwards. Yeah the more fun you make it and um, the easier it will be for them to pick it up and, and read it
0: like you're doing so much outside of your day-to-day career you're doing so much in the sector and you're doing so much to kind of bring it forward you obviously are in in love with your job i love it, <laughs> it i do us, love it like, like you know job satisfaction obviously the sacrifices that have to be made you've overcome a lot of challenges i'm sure mm-hmm. um but uh, you know is there anything you do differently
1: um I don't think so, really. I think I suppose it was a bold move moving from my, you know, uh, very stable (laughs) job. My my life could have been a lifelong job to to, to doing going out on my own. But look, I find it, of course, it's challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I manage a team of people. There's different things that come up all the time. Um, it's very challenging when markets aren't on your side. Right. You know, I'd love to be able to control every part of my uh, <laughs> client's portfolio. Yes. But unfortunately, when they invest it, it's with the fund managers. It's with it's with mm-hmm. the with markets. So if that doesn't work out, which it hasn't in the last 12 months, 24 months, it's been an absolute disaster. I can't control that. And that's really, you know, it gets yeah. on my nerves because I'd like, you know, I suppose my clients to be able to trust me across the board. But I suppose then you have the challenge of you know convincing them to stick with it and I suppose you know to look at investing over the long term with a long term approach which takes a bit of work but we successfully do that communication is key um with our clients and I and I love that like we meet our existing clients as often as we do new clients which is testament to the I suppose the service that we provide it's not a sale it is you know I suppose it's wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I suppose, reviewing portfolios often. It's seeing what's changed in their world, what's changed in our world, and adjusting their portfolios. Yeah. Um, as we go along, but I find it extremely rewarding. And uh, again, I just love, you know, being with my clients. And you know what? It is just so satisfying to, I suppose, build portfolios that work and that deliver. And yeah. that's what we successfully do.
0: Without being an expert in the markets, um, how, what kind of personality traits? do you need, like obviously you need to have nerves. Mm -hmm. You need to have a bit of moxie and you need to be a good communicator. That's it.
1: I suppose we don't actually manage funds as such. The live Mm. companies do that. But um, it's very, I suppose it's um, a huge undertaking of ours to make sure that the client is taking the appropriate level of risk. Mm. I mean, we've all heard of clients losing all their money. And the only reason they lost all their money is that they weren't properly assessed from the outset. Right like most of our job before the, the client even mentions how much money they want to invest is do they have an appetite for risk at all? Yeah. I mean, no, look, rarely we'd come across a person who's risk averse and wouldn't and really cautious. But we really carefully hold our hands. We measure their attitude to risk and then we match them exactly to a portfolio. And then they're completely aware of the possible volatility levels within that portfolio. Right. So they're aware of how much they could lose, God forbid, et cetera. So if they're clear on that from the outset, it makes our job easier. Uh, you know a problem we could have is Where a uh, pension might be Or an investment is transferred to us mm-hmm. So we weren't responsible for the right, risk measuring day instance. one Okay um, And it's hard You know we will try and get I suppose things under control within the portfolio but um, it's difficult uh, but you know you have to be impactful mm-hmm. and you know we do that quite successfully we're known for that now um, for the quality of service when it comes to investments and again that's based on the success rates as well you know yeah we, we're very very successful at delivering quality results.
0: So out of 10 what would you give your job for satisfaction?
1: You know what, Sir I'm going to have to give it a ten.
0: Oh wow! I really, I do. I really love
1: my job. And the thing is, it's 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 not actually broadly, you know, out there how to become a financial yeah. advisor. You know, when I was in, I you know, I came across this by accident, really, at the end of the day. But it's not obvious to people how to how you can become a financial advisor. And I, male or female, I would say it's a very, very, I suppose, rewarding, and it's um extremely, extremely um enjoyable.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carol. You've been an absolute inspiration. Thank you for having me. I'm going to go check out my balance. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode of Evoke Inspire Her Business, Empowering Women in Diverse Professions podcast, sponsored by HerMoney.ie. Be sure to subscribe for more inspiring stories and expert insights on thriving in various industries. Remember, financial empowerment begins with knowledge. HerMoney.ie helps you take control of your financial future So why not visit hermoney.ie for more information? Until next time, stay empowered and inspired.